chapter 8 and in verse number 12 this morning. Then I'm going to ask you to do something I don't always do, but find the book of 2 Corinthians also, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, that'll be our text of amplification this morning of what we're going to read in John chapter 8. And I'll invite you to stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, first, verses 1 through 15. We'll begin to read where the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Christ's sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will, be, and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. And in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said these words, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of the light of the world. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would challenge us today and, and speak to us. God, I pray for the one that's never been saved, that God, you'll convict them. The light of your, the convicting light of the Holy Spirit will shine into their hearts. And God, they'll realize how lost they are this morning. God, I choose, I pray this morning, they'll choose by faith to turn and trust Jesus today to be Lord of their life. And God, I pray for those this morning who, because of unrepented sin, they're not shining the light of Christ as they should in this world. God, I pray that they'll bring themselves to you today and find cleansing anew, that they might be the light in this world as you are, will be. And God, I pray that you'll help us to remember and be reminded in what are very dark, dark, dark days that what this world needs more than anything is you. And I pray that the light of the world will shine through us. 
and many will turn and receive you in these days. Bless this time. Be honored and glorified through it all. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. As we approach next weekend, um, Veterans Day weekend, and we honor those that served, it's fitting these two stories, two similar stories, but yet very different in their endings. Uh, in the South Pacific, uh, during World War II, uh, it was around 1944, um, a U.S. ship, an aircraft carrier, um, was on maneuvers there in the South Pacific. And, and so, I mean, this was in the North Atlantic, uh, I should say. And, and as it was, there were German submarines who were in the area. Well, the commander of this ship um, in the North Atlantic, he had gotten a fix on where some of those submarines were. And so he sent out five of his best pilots to go and do a recon, but it was very chancy because it was in late evening. And the pilots went out and they began to, to do their maneuvers to try to get a fix on these German submarines. When suddenly the admiral realized that they had gone past the submarines and the submarines were closer than he had once thought. And it was becoming late evening and they radioed for um, the pilots to return. But as it got dark, the admiral had to do something that was going to be devastating to those pilots. He called for a total blackout. And as those pilots turned and began to return to that aircraft carrier, they needed light. They had to have light to be able to land. But the admiral was concerned about those who were on, who were on board. And he called for a total blackout. And one pilot says, we're, we're returning, but we need light to land. And the radio operator sent back to them says, there's a total blackout. We can give you no light. And one radio and one of the pilots, uh, in desperation, he shouted back to the radio operator, we need just, just one light, give us one light. And the radio, the radio operator with a broken voice, he, he responded back, I can give you no light. And he turned off the radio. And those five pilots, uh, they died. They went down in the Atlantic, and what they needed was light. Well, contrast that with June 20th, 1944, it was late in the day, and Admiral Raymond Spruance, he was able to get a fix. He was in the South Pacific, and he was able to get a fix on some Japanese vessels. And even though it was close to, to, to dark in the late evening, he sent out over 200 planes, almost every plane that was on the aircraft carrier, and he sent them out to try to engage uh, these Japanese ships. One ship was sunk, and several were hurt. And so American planes began to turn and to try to come back. Some were near running out of gas. But the real need of the hour was to get back, just like the other ship that was in the Atlantic, before it got dark. Well, it got dark. But Admiral Raymond Spruce, he did the unthinkable that the other admiral didn't do. He ordered for all the lights on the ship to be turned on. And every plane was able to land. You see, friend, light makes a difference. When it's dark. And I will tell you something. We're living in dark, dark days. Um, we, you know, this next Tuesday we approach, and this is not an election message, but we approach uh, an election in our country. If you've been listening to a lot of the candidates and commercials, friend, it, it is amazing to hear what some candidates say. that They think our country needs more access to abortion, to, to, to murder children. And things that are completely contrary to the Bible, they say are right. And friend, I want you to understand, while it, it will certainly help our country to have the right leaders in office, and it will certainly 
help our country to have the right policies. Friend, no politician can ever straighten out what's wrong in our country and in our world. Only Jesus Christ can do that. You, know, you may be here this morning, your life is completely upside down. It is so dark. I'm telling you, friend, only Christ can bring light into your life. There may be a marriage here. You may know of a marriage that's near divorce. And if it's not near divorce, it is absolutely fractured and broken. Friend, I mean, you can try every book. You can try every therapist. But I'm telling you on the authority of God's Word, only Jesus Christ can heal that marriage. Churches that are in despair, completely upside down. No new program, no fancy personality can fix it. Only Jesus Christ can bring life to that local church. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse number 12, to Pharisees and scribes who had forgotten what the nation of Israel had been called to do, to be a kingdom of priests, that were in the fullness of time, Christ would come through them. And his written word would come. And it's faith comes by hearing. Hearing through the word. They forgot that. And there stood a broken woman that they had exploited. And as Jesus stood beside her, he said that. He says, I, I, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And we need to be reminded, just as Tori said, that we need to be reminded, as she sang this morning, that, friend, Jesus is the light of the world, and he is the only one. He is the only one that can give us hope in the darkness in which we live. I want you to notice five things this morning about the light of the world. First off, the light of the world, that's Jesus. He reveals. The light of the world reveals. We're going to be preaching out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And, and look what Paul said again. In, in response, now remember the, the first Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth, just like this letter is. But the church was very fractured. It was broken. They were so dysfunctional. They were so gifted. They had all the potential to be a great and mighty work for God. But they took their eyes off Christ and they put it on themselves. And they began to boast about who was the most talented. And, and, and they began to really to live their lives by their thought rather than the word of God. They allowed sin inside the church, gross immorality, to go unchallenged. And so Paul wrote them a letter to encourage them and help them. And they began to turn. But then false teachers entered back into that church. And Paul sent Titus to try to straighten them out. He was Mr. Fix-It. And so he sent Titus to the hard places. And Titus went down and began to, to do a work. And so Paul writes a response, which is 2 Corinthians. But he challenges them and reminds them about who they are to be because of who Christ is and what Christ is. He's the light of the world. Verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 4 says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. He reminds them what the church is all about. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Friend, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that that's everybody. And so there seems to be some big argument in a lot of churches today as to whether Christ died for just a few people or for everybody. And Jesus from his own lips says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And friend, that's everybody. So we need to be reminded that Christ died for all people. You may, be, you may have listened to some radio show, you know, where some guy says, well, maybe you were predestined to be saved and maybe you were not. Friend, I'm telling you, God predestined that all 
people be saved. But you're going to have a choice whether you respond to the life that God gives or not. And so that's the ministry, to be the hands and the feet. The, the, the mission's not changed. Christ has gone to heaven, but the ministry for the church is still the same, to seek and to save that which is lost. We don't save, we just bring them to who can, and we point to the one that can. Since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, he says we, we do not lose heart. We've renounced the, the hidden things of shame. That is, that's true repentance. We've turned away from the world. We don't keep it in the closet to where we can get it out like a slideshow a few times a year to, 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 to look back at the quote-unquote good old days. Because, friend, I'm telling you, if you really repented of sin, you realize those weren't good old days. And there's nothing to go back to or be reminded about. We've renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Listen to verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age that Satan has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Jesus, the light of the world, he reveals man's sin. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says, The people have walked in darkness. They have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Well, who's that light? Well, four, four verses later, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. It's Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. Luke chapter 1, verses 78 through 79. Uh, Zacharias, his wife had had nine months of bliss. She was going to be able to give birth to John the Baptist, and he couldn't speak for nine months, couldn't say a word. She just lived in the house, and honey, you know, d does this taste good to you? Even if he didn't like it, he couldn't say a thing. But the day that John the Baptist was born, everybody thought they knew best, and they got the baby name books out to see what was trending. But God had already said, what he was going to be named. And all of a sudden, God loosed his tongue, and he says, no, his name's going to be John. And he began to speak and to talk about the ministry of John, but then he spoke about the ministry of our Lord. In Luke chapter 1, verses 78 through 79, he says, through the tender mercy of God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, verse 79, to give light, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet in the way of peace. Well, who sits in spiritual darkness? Everybody that's lost. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Your sin has separated you from God. And from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, listen to me, friend, man began to dwell in darkness. And man needed light. And Jesus is the light of the world. Luke chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Simeon had waited all his life. And then God allowed him to see Christ. And he began to prophesy about him and say a lot, Jesus would be a lot to bring revelation to the Gentiles. He would be, he would be a lot that would be able to, 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 to bring light to those who walk in absolute darkness. And so the life of Christ opens our eyes to sinfulness. This may have never happened to you, but it's happened to me a, a time or two. I've tried to witness to, to someone before. And they'll always bring up, you know, the big, the, the H word when it comes to witnessing. And they'll say, well, you know, 
I'd come down there to church and, uh, you know, and I'd be a part of that church. But that church is just absolutely full of hypocrites. And I'm, I'm, listen, I know old so-and-so that goes down there. And I know old sister so-and-so down there. I, I know her. And I'm as good as they are. And you know what? You probably are. But put yourself up to next to Jesus Christ and see where you sit. See, friend, the life of Christ, the light of the world, Jesus Christ... He shows us our sinfulness. You know, I found uh, when I was young, my mother would ask us to, to dust. I, always, I, I still remember this. We had a sock. I'd run my hand up in this sock, and we had a little tiny jar of end dust. Melissa probably wishes I could still do this, but we had a little <laughs> sock and a jar of end dust. And we would we'd spray that stuff on the furniture and begin to wipe it down. And, you know, I always found that, you know, I thought I had done a good job in the dark. But when you pulled back the blinds, friend, and the light came in, the light always told the truth. Friend, the light of Jesus Christ, his life, it reveals our sinfulness. It, it declares our sin. Uh, verses that we've already looked at in our study of John, but I want to remind you of this morning, John chapter 3, when Jesus was having a dialogue with Nicodemus, very religious man. Uh, forgotten more of the Old Testament than most of us will ever learn. But he needed John 3, 7 to be born again. He, he, was, he, was, he, he knew all kinds of Scripture, but he didn't understand it here because he had never been born again and he'd never been saved. And Jesus began to speak about his ministry. Listen, verse 18 of John 3. He says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, and this is the condemnation. God says this is the condemnation against them, that light has come into the world. What, what is that light? It's Jesus Christ. He says light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They don't want to come into the, dark, the light. Because it's going to show exactly who they are. Verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Jesus, the light of the world, friend, he, he reveals man's sin. He shows us our sin. And that's why the Pharisees and Sadducees hated him. They knew that their religion, and religion, friend, is always just this. It is man chasing after God. True Christianity, friend, is not religion. It's a relationship. It's God seeking man. It's man having a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, as I've already said, it says, all have sinned. That's everybody. And the light of the world, the light of Christ's life shows us our sin. And the penalty for that, Romans 6, 23, though you don't hear much about this anymore, and friend, it's a wonder more people, you know, are, that people are even saved today. Because most preachers don't even preach about what the judgment against sin is. That there's just a, a benefit if you know God. Friend, there's, listen, there's always two sides to every spiritual truth. And you will have life in Jesus Christ, but my friend, if you don't receive him, you'll experience death in a place called hell for all eternity. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so God demands a response to the light we receive. You've probably witnessed to people before, and they'll say, well, I'm just not, I'm not saying no 
but I'm just not ready right now to trust Christ. Friend, not saying yes is saying no. There's no in-between. You say, well, I just, I'm not ready to receive Jesus. Then you're looking at God and you're saying no. You, you must respond to the gospel. There's no, so I've never told God no. If you've not said yes to the gospel, the good news of Christ, to repent of sin and by faith trust Jesus to be Lord of your life, you've said no. And so when the light of, of the world shines at your heart and the Holy Spirit, John 6, draws you, and convicts you of sin, righteousness, judgment to come. When you see Christ upon the cross, you see Him risen. You, you hear the invitation to turn from sin, to trust Christ to be Lord of your life. If you won't respond to that, you're telling God no. And so the gospel demands a response. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2, two chapters over. For he says, Paul quotes Isaiah 49 and verse number 8, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. My friend, you don't get to choose when you're going to be saved. To put it on the, to put it on the calendar. I remember, I kid you, I wouldn't make this up. I witnessed to a fella, I don't, it was in late winter. So let's just say January, February. At another place, and another time, and another state. And uh, I was sharing the gospel with him. I said, sir, do you recognize your need for Christ? He says, I do. I said, well, do you want to be saved? He says, I do. And I thought, man, this is great. I said, well, can you think of any reason why you shouldn't turn from sin and be saved today? He says, well, I kind of want to wait to Easter Sunday. And this was late winter. And I said, you, you don't seem to understand the seriousness of this. I said, if you die today without Christ, you're going to hell. We're, this isn't just when you're going to join the club. This is the difference of where you're going to spend eternity. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what the day will bring. You may not have another chance. He said, well, I think I'd still rather, you know, wait till Easter. I said, buddy, I'm not selling you a timeshare. I'm telling you, if you don't repent of your sin and trust Christ... You're going to die and go to hell if you die without him. And I kid you not, he wanted to put it off to Easter. And I'm telling you, sure as I stand here, whether you ever did or not, I really don't know. It's one I haven't figured out. You know, the, the old song, you know, by and by, we'll understand. Maybe I will, maybe I won't one day. But I'm telling you what, the first person to walk down the aisle Easter Sunday morning was him. And whether he got saved or whether he didn't, I really don't know. You, you don't put God off. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. Just because, you better hear me today, just because God draws you to salvation today doesn't mean he will tomorrow. You say, well, the Bible says whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It does. But if God doesn't call and draw, he won't call. And you won't call. You don't just work up and decide where you're going to get saved. John 6, says it's the Holy Spirit of God that initiates salvation. He invites us to Christ. You say, well, I, I'm just not sure that you can, you, can, you can cross a deadline. I'm just not sure that that, that, can, that that can really happen. Well, write down Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. Write down Mark chapter 4, verse 12. 
And listen to John chapter 12, verse 40, that quotes the same passage. It's Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, He has blinded their eyes. He has hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. He was talking about the nation of Israel. Many in John chapter 12, they had crossed God's deadline. They had rolled the dice down the corridor of their soul and hoped for a better day, but they crossed God's deadline. The light of Christ had shined on them. It had shown them their sin, but they wouldn't choose to turn. Now, I'm telling you, just because the light of Christ shines on you today doesn't mean it will tomorrow. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. John 6, 44. No one can come to me No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. God initiates that, and then we have a choice that we have to make. The light of the world, it reveals our sin. But secondly, I want you to notice, the light of the world, it heals. The light of the world reveals, but the light of the world also heals. Look what the Bible says again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Uh, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believed in him would not perish. It's an active verb. It means you're already perishing. It's not you're going to perish one day. You already are. Friend, that every person that you know that's not saved, they're already perishing eternally. They're just going to leave this body and, and, and head to hell one day. Born once, die twice. Born twice, praise God, die once. What are you talking about? I shared this last Wednesday night. If if you've got a birthday, if your mother gave birth to you, would you raise your hand this morning? Anybody? You've been born once. You've been born once. And you're going to die another time. I don't care how healthy you are, how many vitamins you take, how much work you do, friend. at some point you're going to draw your last breath. That's once. You've been born once, you're going to die once, but then you're going to die a second time. You're going to burn in hell for all eternity, and you're going to die. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth shall surely... As for the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat all, for the day thou eatest thou off, you shall surely die. That's the penalty for sin. Born once, die twice. Born twice, all right, you've had a, you've had a physical birth. Raise your hand again. John 3, 7, Jesus said, you must be born again. That's your, if you've been born again, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You've been born twice. Now, don't you listen to me. You're going to die again. You're going to die on this earth, but you'll, you're going to live forever, though. You're going to draw your last breath. Born twice, die once. But it's, it's just a transition. We're going to draw our last breath, and friend, we're going to open them in the presence of Jesus. Oh, we're in the presence of Jesus. We're, we're going to be there. Everybody who's not saved is perishing. But when you turn to Christ, the light of Christ gives you life. It heals us. John 10, 10, the thief comes but steal, kill, and destroy. I've come, Jesus said, that you might have life and life more abundantly. Thank God for in the little heaven on earth. There's some people that need to be reminded of that. You know, it's not a spiritual fruit to be miserable. God wants you to enjoy this life in his will. 
the, the light of Christ, the light of the world, it, it gives us life. He made a way for us to experience His righteous life. Verse 4, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That the light, when, when we turn from sin and we trust Jesus, His righteous life shines on us, friend, and gives us spiritual life. These dead spiritual bodies, He, he heals us. Now look what the Bible says in verse number 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, Genesis 1, who has shown now into our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. He shines truth into our hearts. And then listen, we've got to choose whether we'll respond to it or not. John 3, verses 19 and 20. If you respond to it, it means you don't want the old life and you want the new one in Christ. And you hear me, if you reject it, it's because you don't want the new life in Christ and you want the old life that you've been having. It's a choice. You can't have both. You're going to turn from your old life and experience life in Christ or you're going to reject life in Christ and die in the life that you have. The choice is yours. He says, verse number 7, we have a treasure. Look at this. But we have this treasure, verse 7, in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power uh, may be of God and, and not of us. And not of us. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 2 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Everybody's born spiritually dead. And again, that's one of the burdens on my heart with, with children and youth ministry today. I'm telling you, friend, the time for people to be saved is at the earliest age possible when they can understand the gospel and the call of the Holy Spirit. But my heart is burning. But parents just let their kids just wander like they're feral in this world spiritually, and somehow they're just going to trip over Jesus and wind up being saved. Are you kidding me? Friend, there is, a, there is an enemy, there is a devil who wants to take your child and your grandchild to hell. And God hasn't called you as a parent and a grandparent to be your son or to be your daughter's buddy and to give them everything they want. He has called you to live a life of righteousness before them and to give them every opportunity to be saved. Because I'm telling you, no matter how precious and cute they are, if they live this world without Jesus Christ, they'll die in hell. Then everything that you've tried to give them so that they'll be happy, happy, happy. Friend, they, nobody's happy in hell. Nobody. And so what people need is light because only Jesus Christ can heal their sinful souls. Why? Because all people are born dead in sin. I don't care how great of a church member you've been and how long church membership runs in your family. Every person that's born into your family, friend, is born spiritually dead. And that's the problem in the South. We've got just enough religion to be dangerous. Good Baptists, join the church. You can die being a church member, but you'll not go to hell in Jesus Christ. You won't do it. The need is to turn and receive Him. Ephesians 5, 14. Therefore, He says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You won't find it anywhere else. That's what puzzles me. I understand, listen, while lost people live the way they are, I... It irritates me. There's a dog in our neighborhood. I know everybody that passes by hates it. He sleeps in the road. 
people, you know, we're always honking at him. He chases everybody. He's a really sweet little dog. He walks with us every morning down the road. But, you know, I've never looked at him. I wonder, somebody needs to have a talk with him. Why in the world does he chase cars? You want to know why he does that? He's a dog. He's a dog. And lost people act like lost people, friend. What I'm amazed is when people who name the name of Christ seem to think that something else is going to bring about spiritual change in their life and in the lives of others. Friend, the only thing that can bring about spiritual change is not a thing, it's a person. It's Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Ephesians 5, 14, Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. No one else can do that. Only Jesus can. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. He says, man, you, you, you can only find that in Jesus Christ. That type of joy and that type of fullness. The light of the world reveals, the light of the world heals. Third notice, the light of the world appeals. Verse 5 says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Preach Him. That's, and that's your witness, friend. Listen, when you share your witness, don't talk about you. You talk about your life before Christ, how you met Christ, and your life since Christ. It's all about how Christ has worked in your life. Just, just point people to Jesus. He says, we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus the Lord. And, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. Paul's saying, man, we're slaves. We're, we are dust. That's the ministry of a disciple. He's, he's, he's beginning to bear that out. Now listen to verse number 7. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Well, what's the treasure? Well, it's the light of the world. It's Jesus Christ. What's the earthen vessel? It's our hearts. It's us. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God, may, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now listen to him. Friend, he's just getting real brutally honest about what life is like as a disciple of Christ. Now I know many of you, I hope you don't, but you, you, you have heard at times, and I hope you don't listen to it regularly. A lot of these, you know, mule, you know guys that smile like a mule eating briars, um, guys that just talk about how rosy life always is, and God wants every day to be like Friday for you. And if you really, you know, if, you're, if it's not that way, you know, something's wrong with you spiritually. Everybody know the doctrine I'm talking about? This, this health and wealth, and man, you just, the reason you don't have it is because you're not naming it and claiming it, man. Well, friend, listen, probably the greatest Christian who ever lived was the Apostle Paul. And friend, listen, he... He lived a life of hardship and challenges and difficulties. And, and he just puts it in a few verses here. He said, listen, look at verse 8. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. He says, it's, it's tough living for Christ. But look what he says, but we're not crushed. He says, we are perplexed. You know, have you ever feel that way? You watch the news. You watch your neighbors. You watch family members that, you know, say they're saved, but they live like a lost person, show no concern for the things of God. And you just try to, God, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why things are the way they are. And you ever get perplexed? He says, we're, we, are, we are perplexed, but listen, 
but we're not in despair. He says, there, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rough ride. I haven't been on one in a few years, and if I go to heaven without ever being on one again, it is fine by me. But I've flown on planes before where we've hit turbulence. You know, and I've been like, man, what, what is happening? But you know what, friend? I knew there was a trained pilot at the front. Friend, listen, in this world, I wonder sometimes, God, what's going on? But friend, listen, I'm glad Jesus is flying the plane. I'm not in despair. He's in charge. We're, we're persecuted. We're going to face hardship as Christians. And friend, listen, it's going to ramp up in this country. You can say anything you want to about a Christian, but you can't say anything about a lost person without it being hate speech anymore. Nothing. You can't put, listen, you can't say Merry Christmas. You can't put a commercial on TV about Jesus, but you can put one on there about some vitamin that helps two men that are smooching. I'm trying to watch a football game, and two men are kissing on a commercial. Are you kidding me? And you can't even talk about Jesus? In God we trust. Not anymore. We're persecuted. We're per- but we're not forsaken. God is still on his throne. The light of the world still shines. Look at verse 9. We're struck down. There's going to be challenges in our life, but we're not destroyed. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be, listen, manifested, may be manifested in our body, that the light of the world. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And Paul says, we hold that treasure in our bodies. He says, we... we, God, listen, when we live for Christ through the midst of all that hardship that Paul just described, listen, God appeals to lost people through our faithfulness to Christ. When we just continue to shine the light of Christ, God appeals to that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, he says, not you will be, or you, he says, if you're my disciples, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket or on a lampstand, but it gives light to all those who are in the house. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. 1 John 4, 7, as, as he is, so are we. We're to be the light of the world. And when we continue to live for Christ through good days and bad days, and they're going to be there. Me and our church family are going through a hardship today. Many of you have been through hardship in the past year. Some of you are fixing to walk into hardship. And friend, I'm telling you, there's a lost and dying world that's going to watch you go through it. And if you're, listen, if you're just one of those Eeyore Christians, I mean, if, if, if you were a character in Winnie the Pooh, you'd always be Eeyore. Everything's bad. Everything's bad. Listen, I knew a lady. I knew every time I asked her how she was, it was always terrible and bad. Chicken little Christians, the sky is always so. And can I be honest? God help me. I, people that are like, I try to actually stay away from them sometimes. I don't even ask, I don't even ask them how they are. I just say, hey, and then, and so, but they'll grab me and say, it's all bad. And I'm like, I knew it was. <laughs> I knew it was. Friend, listen, I don't make light of anybody's. But friend, I'm, if you're in Jesus Christ, friend, there's going to be some good days with the bad days. And even in the midst of the bad days, listen, the light of the world still shines in your heart. And you can be a light for Christ. He appeals. The light of the world appeals 
through us. People are watching. Ephesians 5, 8, Paul says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. Don't, don't live like lost people through the challenges and the difficulties. And it burdens me when I hear Christians just act like that God has died. It is a hard day. The church is different than it was 20 years ago. I can tell you that. People respond to the Word of God different than they did 20 years ago. Our country's not the same, but God's still on the throne. And we're to live as children of light. We're to live as children of light. Verse number 11 says, For, for we who live, look at verse 11, 2 Corinthians 4, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, listen, that the life of Jesus also may be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Now, don't you listen to me this morning. Did you ever think that the reason that God, one of the reasons God may allow you to go through a hardship or a difficulty is that so some lost person could see how he's working in your life through that difficulty? Did you ever think about that? That's what Paul says right here. He says, for we who live are always delivered to death. He said, we're always given to hardships for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be made manifest. What is that? Visible. That people can see the light of the world shining through our life. And it appeals to them. And that brings up the question, friend, this. Listen to me. What kind of light am I shining in these days? And that brings it down to the brass tacks, doesn't it? When people look at me in these days, which are difficult and dark, do they really see that Jesus, the light of the world? The lie of the world reveals, the lie of the world heals, the lie of the world appeals. But not only that, I want you to notice the light of the world seals. Look at verse number 14. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed the day of redemption. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, who shall believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting. Friend, everlasting means everlasting. It, it drives me, friend, listen, absolutely nuts that there are, there's a group of people, not in Greenwood, but in the church today, that think God picked who would and who would not be saved, but on the other hand, there's another group that goes by another man's name. They're going around telling everybody, scaring everybody to death, that you can lose your salvation. Well, friend, you, you didn't save yourself. You simply received the gift that God gave you that was accomplished. He bought your salvation in the body and the life of His Son, and it's a gift He offers. All you did was receive it. But thanks be to God, friend, when you receive it, you are sealed, the Bible says, to the day of redemption. There's nothing, the Bible says, that can pluck you out of His hand. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I know the question, because I get it all the time. Well, what about this person? They used to talk and preach and share and love and sing and serve, and now they curse God and live for the devil. Friend, you can't lose what you never had. Faith that fizzles before the finish had to flaw from the first they never were saved or they'd still be serving Jesus Christ. So well, I just, I'm afraid they've, they've lost it. They never had it. Because the Bible says, friend, that the light of the world, it seals 
us in Jesus Christ. Our salvation is still. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. When you belong to Christ, friend, you're his for all eternity. The light of the world, it seals. But fifth and I close, notice this, I love this. The light of the world thrills. It thrills. Look at verse number 15. Paul says, for all things are your sakes. All things are for your sakes. Well, what all things is he talking about? Well, he's, he's talking about the hardships. You can write down, I won't turn to it. Colossians 1, 24. All the challenges, all the suffering, all the difficulties, Paul says it's all for your sake. He says, every lump on the head, every cursed word that I've been called, every persecution I've experienced, he says, all things are for your sake. Why? That grace, having spread through many, that is, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace have you been saved. He says that, that grace that is spread through many may cause what? Thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Friend, I'm telling you, your football team may win and it may lose. Your candidate may win and they may lose. You know, the cornbread may be full and it may be flat. You know, you may burn the toast and it may be perfect. Uh, tomorrow the weather may be the way you want, or it may not be. But I'm telling you, all of those things are up and down. But I want to tell you, what brings joy like nothing else is seeing someone born again into the family of God. There's nothing like seeing people get saved. And the light of the world, it thrills. Paul says, even in suffering, the light of the world is changing lives. He says, and that brings joy. So it blesses me when I hear how someone gets saved and it begins to, to be changed by the light. They learn to start reading their Bible. They're sharing their faith. They're discovering their spiritual gift. They're turning away more by more every day. That's sanctification, being used more by God. Friend, that brings joy. That brings joy. Romans 8, 28 through 29. The challenges of life, friend, they're not fun to go through. But we know that God works all things out together for good. And the purpose always in our own life is Romans 8, 29, that we might be further conformed to the image of Christ. But I'm glad, friend, that sometimes the, the good that God works out of the challenges that we go through is that he turns others to look more like his son. Romans 8, 29. It thrills. The light of Christ thrills. John chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. I share these just again. 19 says, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, listen, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. That's the light of the world. What do they hate? They hate Jesus. Can I just read that for you that way? But everyone practicing evil hates Jesus and does not come to Jesus lest his deeds should be exposed. I want you to look up at me this morning. Has there ever truly been a moment in your life that you've turned from darkness and you've turned to Jesus, the light of the world, and you've let go of the old life and received new life that only he can give? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. You say, I've really never done that. 
I've never truly let go of the old life and received only new life that can be found in Christ. Would you be willing to turn from your sin today? Would you be willing to believe that Jesus died for you, rose again? He desires to come live in your heart in the person of the Holy Spirit and to give you life and life more abundantly. Would you be willing to experience that today? Then call out. The Bible says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I remind you, friend, not to share you. Just because the Spirit of God is convicting you and drawing you today doesn't mean he'll do it tomorrow. And you may not even be here next week to see And This could be the last invitation you ever have to respond to. Would you not trust him today? If you would, tell him so in a simple prayer of faith where you sit. Pray and say this, God, forgive me of my sin. I turn from it. I forsake it all. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. I want you to live in my heart and to make me into the man or woman you want me to be. And I want that light to shine through my life that might be a blessing and a benefit to others. That's my prayer. If you prayed that, I want to invite you.